0: The Big Story. Patterson, New Jersey. The story as it actually happened. Dorothy Patterson's story as she lived it.
1: You, Dorothy Patterson, are a newspaper woman with equal emphasis on newspaper and woman. It's rough competition in this man's business. You've got to be good. And you are. But still, you're a woman, and sometimes you take a razzing because of it. Hey, Dorothy, you busy? Uh
2: Uh-huh. Something important on your mind, Ted, or can it wait?
1: Uh, It's pretty important. Can you hold it a moment? What's up? I'm depending on you for the answer to this. I don't think anyone else can help me.
2: Sounds like a pretty big order.
1: It is. Dorothy, when are you going to throw away those dead flowers on your desk?
2: Well, that's the big question. Hmm. And me right in the middle of my column for two
1: cents... Two cents? I... You don't get the picture. This is a big money operation. We've got an office pool on how long you'll keep those flowers there just because you're too much of a softy to throw them out.
2: <laughs> I give up. You guys don't let me get away with anything,
1: do you? Maybe it's not all for jokes, Dorothy. What do you mean? Well, you are a softie. You go through life believing everybody's thinking about everybody else, watching out for everybody else. It ain't so.
2: Oh, I don't know.
1: I do. Maybe that's why I worry sometimes. I'd hate to see you lead with that soft little chin someday and get slugged just because you have the idea that everybody's as nice as you are.
2: Do you have to be a cynic to be a reporter?
1: No, but uh, it's like being crazy. You don't have to be, but it helps.
2: Dog eat dog. That's your theory, hmm?
1: I've been around.
2: The wrong places. It's not true. You can depend on people, Ted. Honestly, you can. You just have to give them a chance.
1: That, Dorothy Patterson, is your credo. You can depend on people. And in another part of the city, something is happening that will soon put that credo to a test. Something that will decide whether or not you can really depend on people.
3: Jim? said you?
0: Yeah, it's me.
3: All right, tell me.
0: nothing to tell.
3: But you went to I visit.
0: said there's nothing to tell.
3: Didn't you go see them? Didn't you explain? I
0: went. I went to every hospital, every nursing home, every welfare agency, and I, I told them over and over again the same thing. My son Johnny, five years old, he's got nephritis, he's gonna die, he's all swelled up so he can't even move, and he's gonna die unless we can get the money for this new serum. They didn't have the money.
3: Somebody must have it.
0: $3,000? Marie, it's too much to ask for. It's it's too much when the doctors say it probably won't help anyway. Now, who's going to fork over $3,000 for something that probably won't work?
3: I don't care what it costs. It's worth it to try to save Johnny.
0: We say that, sure. He's our kid. Other people, well, it's not their kid. Why should they care?
3: You're going to give up just like that?
0: Marie, I... You're
3: going to sit and watch him die? You're going to sit and watch him lie there looking at that baseball bat you gave him, just looking at it because he can't even close his fingers around it anymore? Are
0: you... Marie.
3: Well, I'm not. I'm going to do something. I'm going to keep on trying. But how? I I don't know how, but there's got to be a way, hasn't there? Hasn't there just got to be a way?
1: This is the beginning. These are the elements. In one part of town... A frantic, desperate mother. In another part of the same town, a reporter. A warm hearted, compassionate reporter. Two elements. And when a phone call brings them together, a big story starts to roll.
2: Hello, Dorothy Patterson speaking. Mrs. Patterson, I. I
3: don't know how to say this. I read your column every day.
2: Well, I'm glad to hear it.
3: to me, please?
2: Well, I... Um... Don't let me down.
3: There's nowhere else to turn, please. For the love of heaven, don't let me
2: down. 100 Crescent Street. I'll be there this evening.
1: 100 Crescent Street is a pleasant, comfortable house. As you, Dorothy Patterson, walk up the broad, worn steps, you think it looks like most of the other houses on the block. A good home... Pleasant place to live. But as you ring the front doorbell, you wait for an answer, you're aware of something else. Something that sets this house apart from the others on the block. The quietness. This is a quiet house. Next door, the children shout and play in the yard. Across the street, you hear the clear call. Ready or not, I'm coming. But not here. There are children here at 100 Crescent Street, but they're not playing. One is quiet, and the other is dying.
3: I, I guess you can tell just by looking at him, Mrs. Patterson, how bad it is. Yes. Can he hear me? I don't know for sure. Sometimes, maybe. He just lies there like that, all swollen. He can't move. When he has to turn over, I lift him, like when he was a baby. (laughs) Funny. Remember when he was a baby, just a little one. I used to love picking him up. I used to look for an excuse. He was so little, his skin was so soft, like (laughs) Bill. No, I I don't know if he hears us. He just lies like that all the time. I say, Mom. Yes, dear. Uh, Mrs. Patterson, this is my other boy, Buddy? Buddy? Say hello to Mrs. Patterson. Hello, buddy. Hello. I'm ready for bed, Mom. All washed? Uh-huh. Even the ears? Why do you always ask that? Well, because you always forget to wash them. I wash them. All right, honey, in you go. Aren't you going to listen to my prayers? Well, I... Do you mind waiting, Mrs. Patterson? Not at all. You can listen, too, if you want. I thank you, buddy. I'd like to.
2: Okay, I know them Good. Now I lay me down to sleep, I pray the Lord my soul to keep. If I should die before I wake, I pray the Lord my soul to take. God bless Mommy
3: and Daddy and Johnny and me and... Mom. Say amen, honey. First, can I put something on my own on the end? Huh. all right. Okay. And God, please make my brother Johnny well. Amen. Is that all right to put on, Mom? Yes, sure, buddy. That was fine. Now, get to bed. It's late.
1: She tucks him in. The small, lean, active body in the blue sleepers. The body that contrasts so sharply with the swollen, inert form in the other bed. And then she puts out the light and leads you into the living room. And you, Dorothy Patterson, know that from now on, it's up to you.
2: Mrs. McDermott... You said you wanted me to help. How?
3: Well, there's a new drug. We just heard about it. It's called serum albumin. It's supposed to help what Johnny has.
2: Have you tried it on Johnny?
3: Well, the doctor says the only way the drug would have a chance would be to use it for at least three months. Johnny lives that long. Well? It costs $30 a day. 90 days at $30 a day. We spend every penny we have, Mrs. Patterson... There's no hospital in town willing to stand the expense. Not even to save a child? Well, that's another catch. We don't know that it would. The doctor doesn't think so. <laughs> People think spending that much on drugs for Johnny's foolish. I don't think trying is ever foolish. Don't you? No. She, I, I didn't know how you'd feel, but I was hoping. Well, I guess now we've got to go to work and raise that $3,000. Do you think it can be done?
2: Never know we try.
3: Uh, I don't want you to think we're just asking for charity. I guess that's what it is, really. But Jim and I always made our own way before. We got pride. Pride won't help Johnny now. Maybe nothing will, but we have to try, don't we? We do have to try, don't we?
2: Sure, Ted, I know we probably can't raise that amount of money. Three thousand's not peanuts, but we have to try. Dorothy,
1: you're just going to eat your heart out. What about
2: that woman eating her heart out? What about that little kid saying his prayers? Please, God, make Johnny well. I'm going to use that prayer, Ted, for my story lead.
1: Sob stuff. No,
2: not sob stuff. True stuff. I can't help it if it sounds like a tearjerker. It's true. It's happening. And I think people ought to know about it, and I'm going to tell them the facts. Just the facts. I'm going to ask them to send money if they can, and if they can't, I... I'm going to ask them to pray. I suppose you call that sob stuff, too.
1: Oh, look, Dorothy, don't get me wrong. I'm, I'm I'm not trying to be a wet blanket. I'm just trying to cushion the edges for you. This kid's gotten under your skin. You feel badly about it. You're going to pour your heart out on an article trying to get money. And you're not going to get it, Dorothy. Not for a kid nobody knows. Not for a kid who's probably going to die anyway.
2: I see Okay, Ted, thanks for telling me.
1: What are you going to do now?
2: Write the story anyway. What did you think I'd do?
1: A newspaper story is a lot of things. It can be a factual account, a statement of who, when, and where. It can be a vividly painted picture of exciting happenings. Or it can be a desperate voice crying out for help. You sit in front of your typewriter, Dorothy Patterson, and stare at the impersonal keys, searching, praying for the right words. The words that will tell of one mother's agony. The words that will tell of a young child, motionless, swollen, beyond recognition, with a terrible disease. The words that will unlock hearts and pocketbooks. You do your best, and then you have to sit back and wait and hope that your best is good enough. Morning, Dorothy. Hello, Ted. Liked your story about the sick kid yesterday. Good stuff.
2: Hope so. The mail sorted yet?
1: Uh... Just finishing. I suppose you're hoping for a flock of checks. That's
2: why I wrote the story.
1: Sure, that's what I figured. Dorothy, I stopped by the mailroom. Yes? Picked up your mail. Here.
2: Are you... Are you joking?
1: No, Dorothy.
2: But three letters. I get more than that when I write a story about a sick cat.
1: Remember what I told you about leading with your chin?
2: Two dollars. Fifty cents in this one. Dollars in this one. Three dollars and fifty cents. And we need three thousand.
1: Yeah.
2: Is this all the mail, Ted? All of it?
1: I'm sorry, Dorothy. That's all of it. You feel sick, Dorothy Patterson. Not only because you dread going back empty-handed to Johnny's mother. Not only because a child will surely die without the money. But because the bottom of your belief has been knocked out. The belief in people. in their goodness and their compassion. It's almost Easter now, and as you look out of your window at the trees swelling with the promise of life to come, your heart aches. It aches for Johnny, for his mother, and for the people you tried to reach, the people who should care but evidently don't. But if you could look beyond the budding trees, beyond the fringe of houses outside your window, you would know, Dorothy Patterson, that things are happening exciting, wonderful things.
2: Hey, Mom, look. I made $11.40 this week selling papers. Only, Is it okay if I don't give it to you this time? I thought if you don't mind, I'd send it to the paper. For that kid, you know. That's right, vegetables. And you might as well get used to the idea that there won't be any meat for dinner for the rest of the week. I'm saving the meat money to turn into the Johnny McDermott Fund.
3: Dear Mrs. Patterson, I am an elderly widow. I have no money except my small pension. Would you accept $20 for Johnny? It is all I have at my savings.
1: Slowly at first, and then faster and faster, the checks pour in. There's no need any longer to wait anxiously by the mailroom. The letters spill in more and more, not only from Patterson, New Jersey, but from all over, Pennsylvania, New York, as far away as South Carolina and Ohio. A little girl sends 25 cents. A labor union, $500. The young grandson of a rabbi organizes a drive, and children from Catholic and Protestant church groups contribute. You, Dorothy Patterson... Know for sure now that a newspaper story can be many things. And one of the things it can be is the magic word that draws people of all ages, of all faiths, of all occupations together to help an unknown child.
2: Ted, I'm just so overwhelmed. It's so much more than I ever dreamed of getting.
1: How much so far?
2: Well over the 3000 mark, about $4,500, and it's still coming in.
1: You're going to have a happy surprise for Mrs. McDermott?
2: <laughs> I'm going over there with a check now. Do you know something, Ted? I don't think it'll be a surprise. She believed in people, I'm sure. That's why she called me.
1: What about you?
2: You know the answer to that one. I believe, too. I always
3: have. I took Johnny to the hospital this morning, Mrs. Patterson. They're going to start treatments right away. (laughs) That's wonderful, Mrs. McDermott. And here's the piece of paper that'll pay for those treatments. Oh, I don't know how to thank you.
2: This check is for $3,000, but the money's still pouring in. And if you need more... Oh, no,
3: no, like I told you before, Mrs. Patterson, Jim and I, we're not looking for charity. We make our own way. I can't tell you how grateful we are for the $3,000, but that's all we'll need. If there's more money left, we'll... Maybe someone else can use
2: it. That's what she said, Ted. Maybe someone else can use it.
1: You know, Dorothy, you're converting me. I'm beginning to get real fond of people. All
2: day that's been running through my mind about maybe somebody else can use the money, and I've got an idea. What now? Suppose suppose I wrote another story and told the readers about this surplus money suppose I asked them if I could keep it as the beginning of a permanent fund, a fund we'd have right here at the paper, ready and waiting, if anything like this happens again. What do you think, Ted?
1: After what's happened so far, there's nothing you can suggest, Dorothy, that I'm not going to say, go ahead. That, Dorothy Patterson, is the beginning. You even have a name for this fund. A name that tells exactly what it is. A Save-A-Child Fund. This is the real beginning of your big story. A story without an end. For as long as the Save-A-Child Fund goes on, your big story, Dorothy Patterson, will go on, too. You're thinking of this, of course, this mild spring morning. But you're thinking of something else, too. You're thinking of Johnny McDermott the desperately sick child who started your story. You're thinking about him and hoping and praying.
3: It isn't any use, Mrs. Patterson. He's been getting the serum for three weeks now. is isn't doing any good. What do the doctors say? Nothing. They just look. The way they look, it's worse than anything they might say. Tomorrow's Easter. I bought Johnny an Easter bunny. Big purple one. He likes purple. He can't even see it. It's a fine Easter for him.
2: Maybe it will be.
3: How? When?
2: Easter's a time of life. Not death.
3: It's a time of miracles. I know. The only trouble is... It's hard to believe in miracles anymore. Mm.
1: So little you can say, Dorothy Patterson. So little you can do now, except wait. Easter morning comes, a sunlit, joyful morning. In the hospital, the antiseptic whiteness of the children's ward is brightened with baskets of flowers, spotlighted with the glow of the Easter sun. You stand, tense, waiting with Johnny's mother, as
0: the doctor makes his usual examination. And then, Mrs. McDermott, I I have an Easter present for you. You... Johnny? He's much better. Much. But,
3: but you said the serum wasn't working. You said it didn't help. I
0: know I did. But today, it is working. almost a miracle, a medical miracle, but Johnny's going to get well.
1: You, Dorothy Patterson, are too happy to argue. You're too happy to tell the doctor that this is more than a medical miracle. But you know it. You know that Johnny McDermott's recovery is a human miracle. Made possible by the people who helped them and fought for them and prayed for them. You know, too, that it's a miracle which, because of the Save a Child Fund, will go on as long as there are people who need care and people who do care. That's the joyful ending to your big story. A big story that will really never end.
0: Just a moment, friends. You'll hear the actual voice of Johnny McDermott... with the final outcome
4: of tonight's big story. Avast there, lads. This'll be me again. The name is Jones, Davy Jones. So whatever it is you be doing, belay it and lay to... for a spell of sea talk. Because if it's sea lore you're after, I'm your man right enough. For I've been following the way of wind and water... sail and rudder, gun and cannon, man and boy... since there's been men and ships and a proper American flag in these waters. Aye, lads, that I have. And the most unique naval fighting I've witnessed took place on the Mississippi River during the Civil War. Since only paddle-wheel steamers could maneuver about in the narrow river channels, sailing vessels were out, and broadside armament gave way to underwater rams and guns pointing forward. That meant building the heavy ships oval in shape with all the heavy armor on the front end of the gunboat. The rams were something else, fast and highly maneuverable. Sometimes strengthened by as many as three iron bulkheads up to 20 inches thick, stem to stern, they could slip past the heavier sidewheelers and ram them amidships, crippling them so the heavier gunboats could finish them off. The best example of these tactics took place in May of 1862 in the river battle from Memphis, when Union rams and gunboats destroyed seven out of eight Confederate vessels without any loss to themselves. So heave to, lads, man the braces, get on with it again. And rest easy. Not only have you got the best broom and navy there is, but by the great jib-boom, when it comes to tactics, your navy can't be beat.
0: And now here is the voice of Johnny McDermott with a message to you.
2: I just want to tell everybody I'm fine now and back in school, playing baseball and everything. You know a funny thing? Before I was sick, my hair was brown, but that serum turned it bright red for a while. But I am swell now, and I didn't mind. Mrs. Patterson has been wonderful helping me and loads of other kids, too, with the Save a Child Fund.
1: And so ends another big story. In order to protect the names of people actually involved in tonight's authentic big story, the names of all characters in the dramatization were changed with the exception of the newspaper reporter.
0: Story has been a presentation of the United States Armed Forces Radio Service.